My name's JD. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, it's my privilege every once in a while to be able to lead us through a sermon, uh, which I get to today. That's why I'm up here, obviously. Um, let's pray before we begin and invite God into this part of our, our gathering uh, to lead us and teach us. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, we pause at this moment in our day, in our week, in our year, God, to meet you here, to experience your leadership this morning. God, to come to your word um, with our lives, um, the truest part about our lives, hoping that you shape us, hoping that you transform us as you've done so many times before. God, uh, let us cherish your presence this morning uh, as we continue to worship you. God, we pray for the school, uh, that you would provide for it. Uh, We love these kids. We love these teachers. Uh, We pray uh, goodness and peace over this place in your name, Jesus. We ask for that. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, spring arrived. Did you notice yesterday? Finally, man, finally. I uh, did the Minnesota thing yesterday, and I wore shorts, of course, you know? My legs, I couldn't tell if they were appreciating it or not. It felt a little bit like Gollum coming out of the cave in Lord of the Rings. And I don't know if other people appreciated it either. Went on a bike ride, and I got some, like, smiles, and then looked down and, like, lurched back in disgust. But... I think it's okay. I, th- I think they'll survive the spring. In case you were wondering, that section in my notes is uh, jokes white preachers make. Um, anyways, let's, let's keep going here. Let's keep going. Spring also means that we get to finally get going on our commons project at uh, the commons. Some of you may know about that. Yeah. We got this grant, $60,000 in total, to do this really cool community space in our backyard. And because of whatever that was last week that I've already forgotten about, weather event, uh, we were delayed a little bit, but we're going to get rolling, uh, so stay tuned. We may try to do a live stream or something tomorrow as the excavation begins, but uh, I really encourage you to swing by during the construction process, check it out, and then for sure when it's complete, we're going to let you know, and uh, you can come by and look. This morning we're going to continue in our series. It's been two weeks because we canceled last week. It's been a long time, but we're in this series that Stephanie kicked off for us called Led by Jesus. And uh, we're continuing kind of this theme of going back to the things that matter most maybe in our relationship with Jesus and asking sort of simple questions that are really core uh, to who we are as Christians. And this one being, what does it mean to follow Jesus in our everyday life? What does it mean for us to be led by Jesus today in our lives? And I've been noticing something in myself and maybe in conversations with others that this is sparking this kind of fundamental question. Do we desire in our everyday life to be led by Jesus? I think something to kind of double-click on that question a little bit more would be to ask this morning, and this, this is, I hope, a question that can kind of hang with us for the rest of the time. That is, how do you feel about Jesus' leadership? How do you feel about Jesus' leadership in your life? And then, now you might be thinking, bro, you're asking me feeling questions already? 
I don't even have a chase lounge to, to sit in. I'm just stick with me here. I think our emotions around Jesus' leadership in our life are telling. They're markers for something much deeper going on in our soul. So pay attention this morning to how your response emotionally is to the idea or the action of following Jesus as we continue in this series. As I've been reflecting on that, I realized that there is some seeds of, uh, of skepticism in my own life. And it's kind of risky for me to say that as a pastor. I'm supposed to be the one who's led by Jesus penultimate, right? That's not the case, just to let the cat out the bag. I have some, own, uh, some of my own hesitations, my own things that make me and give me pause. And I think when I think about it, I have some skepticism about being led. I have some scars in my own life that give me hesitation about receiving Jesus' leader in my life. Ultimately, sometimes when I reflect on it, it seems risky to give some authority over in my life to be led like that. I would rather, in most instances, just be led myself, be self-directed. This idea of giving Jesus leadership of our lives is a risky one, and we ought to be honest about that. We ought to be honest about how difficult that is sometimes. So we've been going through these different metaphors. If we could put that slide on the screen where we, we've been uh, talking about different images that Jesus himself uses or are spoken of as him as a leader, do we have that slide with the images up? We're waiting on it. A couple of them are uh, a prophet, teacher. Uh, all, there they are. I was going to say, I only had two in my mind, so I needed some help. Um, <laughs> servant, rabbi, shepherd, prophet, judge, high priest, and king. This is us kind of taking a little deeper look on what it means to be led by Jesus. These are things uh, that Jesus either calls himself or, or people say this is what Jesus' leadership is like. And they're metaphors for how we experience Jesus' leadership in our lives and how the people of God have experienced it through time. And this is our effort uh, to take a little closer look. So I, of course, got shepherd. Um, how many shepherds do we have in the room? That's what I thought, no shepherds, so you're going to have to help me out a little bit with your listening ears because this is quite the distance for us as modern uh, listeners to reflect on Jesus as shepherd. Like, does anybody even own a sheep in here? No, I, this is not a common experience for, with us, so you have to hang tough. But Jesus refers to himself as shepherd several times and uses this sheep metaphor for his relationship with people who he loves, who he wants to lead, and who want to follow him. In Matthew and Mark, he sees the people of Israel and sees them as sheep without a shepherd. And probably the most central uh, claim of Jesus as a shepherd is in John 10. A couple times, there's a couple uh, parables that he tells. Of course, you know from Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep, probably. Also in John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. He says that phrase twice. He says things like, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. And to us, we're like, what is he saying? I lead them to green pastures, he says in that passage. I lay my life down for the sheep, he says. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And in this particular passage, uh, it's not as strange for us, or not as strange for his hearers to hear this language, because shepherd metaphors are all over the biblical text. 
And so much so that they're so important to the people listening to Jesus in this instance that in John 10, they get so mad at him, they're going to stone him because he calls himself the good shepherd. So I know this is a distant metaphor from our everyday experience, but we need to uh, lean in a little bit and understand what this metaphor of a leader as shepherd meant for the Israelite people. And to do that this morning, I want to look at an Old Testament passage, Ezekiel 34. So you can open to your Bibles there. Before we get there, let me give you a little context to why this is meaningful and what's going on here. As I was mentioning, uh, the shepherd metaphor is all over in the text. From the beginning, Abel, his profession, is a shepherd. Moses is a shepherd at one point in his life. David is a shepherd. And on and on and on and on, all the way through the book of Revelation, this metaphor is used for leadership. And particularly here in Ezekiel, God is speaking through Ezekiel using this metaphor to critique the leadership of the time, to critique how people are experiencing leadership. And why I want to focus on this text is I think it may shed light on some of our hesitations around being led by Jesus. Some of the hesitations that come up in us, we might find some of these in this text or at least the sources for them. So where are we at in the biblical story here? We're in the midst of what's called exile. The people of Israel, the people of God, are not in their own country. They've been displaced. Some of them are even slaves to greater nations. This is a really, really low point in what it means for them to be the people of God. And God is responding to this brokenness, and he does so by calling out the leaders. So he'll use the term shepherd to refer to the leaders. So this is a long passage, but stick with me because I think there's some insight here. Let's start reading in verse 1 of 34. The word of the Lord came to me, that's Ezekiel, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy saying to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat curds, clothe yourself with wool and slaughter the choice animals but you do not care for the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You hear some of Jesus' language here. You have ruled them harshly and brutally, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when when they were scattered, they became food for all kinds of wild animals. My sheep wandered over the mountains and over every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched for them or looked for them. Let me just pause right there. What God is doing here, speaking through Ezekiel, is to confront how these people have experienced leadership and where it's got them. Let me just point out a a couple things that that, that God is, is drawing out about bad shepherding that they've experienced. He says things like, these bad shepherds, it's about what they can get out of those they're leading. Uh, They care only for themselves. They profited at the expense or the detriment of those they were leading. They did not strengthen people, but cared about what strength they could get themselves from leading those people. They did not heal people. They have not pursued those who have found themselves as outsiders. They led them brutally and harshly. 
out of fear and anger instead of out of love and grace. When I look at that list of things that he's rebuking these shepherds for, those are all the things I fear about a leader. Those are all the, the things that I've experienced pain from leadership and being given to me in my life. That list is all the hesitations I have about giving the authority of leadership to someone in my life. And and, and they come into play when I think about Jesus being my leader. And how does this leave the sheep? The sheep are exploited, scattered, alone, vulnerable, and injured. When I ask the fundamental question this morning, how are you feeling about Jesus' leadership? Do any of those things resonate? Let's move on and see what God's response to this broken leadership is. God, God's response to this pain. Let's pick it up in verse 7. He says, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my, my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds, and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending my flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue the flock from their mouths, and I will know they will no longer be food for them. And he continues and says, For this is what the sovereign Lord, self, the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will look after them. As a shepherd looks after a scattered flock, he is with them. So I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on the day of the clouds of darkness. I will bring them out of the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them. On the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land, I will tend to them, or I will tend them in good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There will, uh, there I will, they will lay down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lay down declares the Lord. I will search for the lost and bring them back, bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I, the shepherd of the flo- I will shepherd the flock with justice. There's a lot of prophetic language in there, but this is the essence of God's response to our brokenness and hurt. He is the good shepherd. Here's what he does. He loves them. You notice the fundamental difference between the bad shepherd and the good shepherd that God declares he's going to be? Instead of looking at the sheep for what they can get out of the sheep, which is what our hesitation is around leadership, isn't it? God says, I love them. I will go to great lengths to rescue them. I care for them. The good shepherd loves them. He rescues them. God says he will gather them. He leads them to provision. He gives them rest. He heals them. He strengthens them. God gives this picture of what the good shepherd is. 
And this is why it ticks the Pharisees off when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is making a statement about his divinity when he says that. He says, I am that God who promised he would come and save you and rescue you and be your good shepherd. So what does this mean for Jesus in our life to be the good shepherd? It certainly meant a lot for those people in the agrarian society. But what does it mean for us for Jesus to be a shepherd? Later on in the New Testament, in 1 Peter 2.25, as the church sorts of try to wrestle with what Jesus as shepherd means. It says this in, 20, in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 25 of First Peter. It says, Jesus is the shepherd of our souls. Jesus is the shepherd of our souls. Let's look at that word souls for a little bit. What it means for Jesus to be a good shepherd is to shepherd our souls Often in the text in the Old Testament, it refers to the soul or translates the word soul as our inmost being, the inner part of who we are. Sometimes it translates it, my strength. I think in modern psychology, uh, the word that's used for this, if we were to name it today, often gets named the self, the self that's authentically us. An author that I love, Ruth Haley Barton, puts it this way when she refers to the soul. She says, when I refer to the soul, I'm not talking about some ill-defined, amorphous, soft around the edges sort of thing. I'm talking about the part of you that is most real. The very essence of you that God knew before he brought you forth in physical form. The part that will exist when your body goes into the ground. This is the you that exists beyond any role that you play, any job that you perform, any relationship that seems to define you, or any notoriety or success you may have achieved. It is the part of you that longs for more of God than you have or are experiencing right now. The part that may, even now, be aware of missing God amid the challenges of life. What it means for God to be our shepherd is to be the shepherd of our souls that most authentic you, that deepest part of who you are, that beautiful, unique you that God loves and desires to be the leader of this morning. What I want to submit to you is that part of you, your soul desires to have a leader, and that leader is Jesus. When I think about Jesus as the shepherd of our souls, I think of David's Psalm 23, when he's reflecting on God as shepherd. And in that line in verse 3, he says, he restores my soul. What it means to be led by Jesus is for him to restore our soul. So what does it look like for Jesus to be the good shepherd? And, and what does it mean for him to recall those things that God said so long ago in Ezekiel? Let's go back through this and look a little closer. What does it mean for Jesus to restore our soul? First and foremost, it means he loves us. Instead of uh, looking to see what he can get from us, he deeply loves your inmost being, who you were created to be, the most beautiful part of who you are. And he loves you so much that instead of the shepherd that runs away or, or wants something from you, he goes so far, as it says in John 10, to lay his life down for his sheep. In John 10, he also says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. 
when you think about your inmost being, doesn't it just desire to be known? Doesn't it just desire to be known? Beyond our achievements, beyond our profession, beyond our failures, the deepest part of us just yearns to be known. And Jesus says, I'm the kind of leader who knows you in your inmost being. The second thing he does is rescue us. Like a good shepherd, he runs after us when we wander. He calls us out from the, leader, uh, from the wilderness. When I think about this, when I reflect on this, I think about how Jesus has rescued me so many times in my life. And what that's looked like for me is that so many times, the core of who I am, when it comes out, it gets rejected by others in life. I've had early string experiences of rejection in my life. And for Jesus to rescue me means that Jesus sees that part of who I am and says, I love that part of who you are. I do not reject it. And for him to rescue it is to come and call it out of who I am so that I can be who God created to me. Acceptance, affirmation, that's what it looks like for God to rescue us and direct us away from things that harm us. The second, or the third thing, gathers us. This is what it means for Jesus to be shepherd. I think so often when we think about soul and, and, and restoring the soul, we just think individually. We think, I gotta work on myself. But part of Jesus' leadership is about gathering us in a group of people like we are today, where we can authentically be ourselves in a safe way in a Jesus community. Uh, the Wesleyan tradition has this wonderful tradition of asking the question, how is it with your soul? Isn't that a penetrating question? Shouldn't we be asking that question more often in our community? When we listen for each other, what's really going on, when we listen for the inmost being of one another, we're asking, how is it with your soul? And through community, God rescues and restores who we are. He leads us to provision. So uh, I did some research on shepherds because we all discovered we're not, none of us are one of them. And it turns out, like, my family was shepherds like two generations ago. Pretty crazy, but my great-grandfather kept sheep. He was a sheep farmer. I guess that's what they, nobody goes by shepherd anymore. It's a sheep farmer. I'm new to all this, okay? So I, I, I call my grandma Nancy on the phone, sweet old lady. I love her so much. And we sit there and have like this 45-minute conversation. I'm like, what does it mean for Jesus to be your shepherd having grown up uh, on a sheep farm? And she just goes into these amazing stories about what it's like to tend sheep. Amazing things like the sheep know who you are. They listen to your voice. Her dad, uh, my great-grandfather, could come out of the barn and just start talking, and the sheep would raise their head and know who he was. If there was a crowd of like 10 people standing out there and he called to them, they would all come to him. A, a thing that she said, among many things, that was really fascinating to me about this leading to green pastures, because I've always thought of those scriptures as like, oh, that's nice. God will lead us to a place where we can stay forever, and we're going to have abundance, and it's going to be amazing. She said, you always have to be moving sheep to green pastures, because the reason why is if they stay in green pastures too long, they'll eat down to the roots, and they'll eat things that are actually poisonous to them. So part of being a good shepherd is to keep us from complacency. And so what Jesus' invitation to lead us to green pastures is not only to lead us to provision, but to keep us 
on the move pursuing what he wants for us in life. And in that, we find provision. We find grace. Next, Jesus leads us to rest. It says uh, in both of these texts that he makes us lie down. I don't know uh, you and your life if you get to the place where someone's just got to force you to rest. Good leaders can notice when you're fatigued and say, hey, it's time to rest. Jesus wants to do that for our souls. The other one is heal us. Sheep often need someone to heal them. There's flies, there's things that get in their way, things that scratch them on the trail. And over and over and over again, Jesus says, I will heal you. I will tend to your wounds. Jesus leading us in our lives looks like us sitting with him, listening to him, and letting us letting him tell us that we are not our wounds. Our soul, our identity, is not what's been done to us, not what, what's wounded us, and he offers us forgiveness and healing in his presence. That's the sort of leader that our soul needs. Lastly, he strengthens us. He prepares us. When we go through this process of letting Jesus lead our souls, transform us, rescue us, gather us, uh, help us to rest, heal us, we are strengthened. We have joy in realizing who we are at our inmost being was created to do wonderful things, created to be in relationship with God, and that gives us joy. It gives us purpose. It gives us clarity and conviction and gives us what we need outside of ourselves to participate in ways that God is inviting us to participate. In John 10, Jesus says, I have come as the good shepherd so that they may have life and have it to the full. Life and have it abundantly. What it means for God to be our good shepherd, what it means to respond to Jesus' leadership, to be led by him is to be led into an abundant life where your inmost being drives who you are, where you find joy in who God created you to be, where you don't feel like you have to put on a front for anyone, where you don't find your identity in your possessions or your position or your accomplishments, but just in who God created you to be. That's what it means to be led by Jesus into abundance. So I'll return to this question. How does it feel for you to be led by Jesus? Is it possible for you to let Jesus lead you in these ways that we've talked about this morning? Ruth Haley Barton, I actually got the chance to meet her, who I quoted earlier, and she, she would be someone I would describe as having a dangerous stare. Have you ever experienced this before, where someone trained in uh, this way of drawing out the soul of someone looks at you? And it, you immediately look away because you're like, whoa, <laughs> you see in me in a way that I don't often get seen before. And then that for me was like an emulation of her representation of Jesus as shepherd. And she gave me, she left me with this really important question that shaped how I'm led by Jesus for the rest of my life. She said, J.D., you need to get to a place in relationship with Jesus, whether it's through silence, whether it's through a retreat, whether it's through scripture, where you can tell Jesus what's most real about your life right now. I think that is a fantastic practice. Because when we're willing to be vulnerable, 
when we're really to tell our shepherd what's most real. He becomes the shepherd of our soul, our inmost being. And God loves who that is, no matter how messy it is in the moment. That's who God wants to draw out, who God wants to lead. Many of us are leaders in our profession, and there's this myth that to be a good leader, uh, you don't need to be led or you shouldn't need to be led. That's completely false. To be a whole leader, a leader that leads from their inmost being, we need a leader of our souls. And Jesus is saying, I can be that leader for you. To be in relationship with me is to receive that leadership from me so you can be unleashed to be the leader you were created to be in other people's lives. We're gonna close our time as we often do uh, with sermons and the band can come up with communion. And communion is this fantastic practice where in many ways Jesus reminds us of all he is for us and his, what his leadership looks, looks like. When he, he first practiced this with the early disciples, he said, do this in remembrance of me. So that's what I want to do this morning. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you can come and participate. You grab a, a, a little uh, cracker of gluten-free bread and you dip it in the cup. And that's how you receive communion here. There'll be lines on either side. But before you do this morning, I wonder if you can create that space like I was just talking about, where in a moment you can just have an honest conversation with the shepherd of your soul. And you can say, this is what's most real. And I want you to be able to ask Jesus for something. Ask Jesus for this aspect of what it means for him to be your shepherd. Maybe it's you just need to know that he loves you. Maybe it's rescue this morning. Is there something you need to be rescued from? Maybe it's gathering. Maybe it's this sense of belonging that you haven't felt for a long time, that you haven't been able to be your true self around others. And you can ask Jesus this morning at, at the communion uh, table uh, to give you that belonging. Maybe it's provision. There's something you need in your life. Maybe it's healing. Maybe you need to be reminded that you are not your wounds. Maybe you're all out of strength. You're all out of strength and you just need from Jesus, the shepherd of our souls, strength this morning to remember who you are, to remember the joy of your relationship with him. So as you're ready, the band's gonna sing. Come on forward and receive communion. Let me just pray over that real quickly before we move into that time. Jesus, let us receive you as the shepherd, shepherd of our inmost being, God. Lord, may these moments before we come and receive from you be moments where we can share with you what's most real in our life right now. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you that you first loved us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So this is our time this morning. I thought I would uh, do a little adaption of King David's Psalm 23 and speak it over you as a blessing this morning. So would you receive this word from Psalm 23? The Lord is your shepherd. You lack nothing. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside quiet waters. He restores your soul, your inmost being. He guides you along the right paths for his namesake. Even though you walk 
through dark valleys, you need not fear evil, for Jesus is with you. Jesus' rod and staff that will comfort you. Jesus prepares a table before you, even in the presence of what seems like your enemies. Jesus heals you, anointing your head with oil. Your cup overflows. Surely Jesus' goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life.